Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. I'm your host, James Scott, here to analyze anything and everything interesting. Let's dig into today's topics. We're back with the master flexor of baseball, the man who knows it all. It's James. me, James. Scott. It's like, it's, like it's me. It's me. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just let's get that I out of the way. Here. It's me. I'm here. Um, and so James gave me some interesting details earlier about uh, we're in spring training. Uh, we're in spring training. Spring training is happening, uh, which is really really cool. Uh, he told me, but before we even jump into all of that, James, how about you just tell us like some some notes for the week? What's going on? You told me you had mentioned. The Yankees and Mets were making some moves. So before we even get into anything, how about you just talk to the audience about like what what the Yankees and the Mets are doing? Well, yeah, you know, the Mets, they just signed Taiwan Walker, who is he's a decent young pitcher. He's been on the market. A lot of people have talked about him because he had a good ERA, not really good uh, backing analytics, but uh, a lot of the backing analytics in terms of FIP and XFIP, they are uh, contact dependent. Um, and ERA kind of, you know, it, it's just what you do. It's what you put up. Um, so with, you know, XFIP and, and FIP, you know, being things that normalize home run rate or things that are basically strikeout rate, walk rate, and, you know, ground ball percentage dependent, you don't have to necessarily be getting ground balls to be getting weak contact. So uh, with some guys, it doesn't properly rate them. Uh, their, their FIP and their XFIP end up being higher than their ERA. It looks like Walker could be one of those types, uh, given how he pitches. He was a top prospect, and at minimum, he looks like he could be a lights-out reliever. So um, the Mets adding him, that is a good piece. It's a, kind of like an off-season finisher. If you're looking at what they've done, they also added Kevin Pillar, which is, you know, they've been looking to add a right-handed center fielder. They added Albert Almora too, um, but I think Kevin Pillar is really the guy. Kevin Pillar actually, he makes uh, my top 230 player list. So, um, and that includes pitchers. So he's actually, he's a pretty underrated guy. Um, so the Mets have made a couple of little small moves. And if you look throughout the off season, you know, they, they got Trevor May, they got, uh, Lindor and Carrasco in that move. They got James McCann. I mean, they have made a lot of moves uh, that will individually make a difference for them. I think they're one of the deeper teams around now. Uh, they have a nasty bullpen. They have a great lineup. Uh, I'm expecting big things from them next year. And the Yankees just brought back Brett Gardner, which is interesting to say the least because they have Andahar. They brought in Greg Allen this offseason, although he's kind of ticketed for AAA. They have Mike Talkman, but I believe he's out of options. And then they have the regulars. They've already announced Frazier as the left fielder. Thank God. Uh, Hicks is in center. Judge is in right. You have Stanton at DH and Luke Voigt at first. So you can't exactly put Andahar into first or, or DH. You can't exactly put Talkman into any of the outfield spots. And, and, and now you have Gardner. He's the fourth outfielder. So it's curious what they're going to do with all of the remaining pieces. Guys like Talkman, are they going to deal them for relievers? You know, um, it's interesting to say the least. But Gardner has now signed. It's official. Uh, he will be their fourth outfielder this year. Um, it's just 
when you have that many position players, it's interesting what is going to happen next. It seems like they're gearing up for some sort of trade. Uh, spring training having already started, I mean, you wouldn't think that that'd really be going down at this point, but given that, you know, players sign later and later into the off season as arbitration becomes more clear on the team by team basis. And as you know, each arbitration case becomes more and more expensive as, you know, these teams try to lock up their players for longer and longer. And as, you know, naturally salaries raise for the guys who uh, are young and who are talented in the league, uh, it costs more and more as the league knows how to value them. Um, later in every off season, the bigger names end up moving, which of course make the smaller names move after. And, you know, the trade market gets set uh, a little bit later in the off season, typically as well, uh, because whoever people are trading for a lot of the time, you're trading people who are a little bit too expensive for you. Uh, not always, but it, it, a lot of the time happens. So it kind of will hold up the trade market sometimes. So now we're at a point in time where spring training's around and there's still about seven good free agents out there. And I do think that it's possible that some trades go down. Um, but it, it, it's not usually like this. Most years are not like this. Um, so that's you know one of the many exciting reasons uh, to be you know really engaged in baseball because really not only are our moves still going down, but we're not that far away from games being played. Um, and a lot of teams have changed up the way that they do things. I think one of the more exciting things about this coming season is that if you're looking at the majority of the best pitchers in baseball, they all belong to the top half of teams. Like I believe of the top 54 arms in baseball, about 50 of them belong to only 18 teams. Uh, I've not seen that kind of, you know, discrepancy ever uh, where like legitimately like 12 teams, 10 teams, they just don't have any, any pitching anywhere near the caliber of the top, like 17, 18 teams. Um, I mean, I think that, that, that pretty, like check this out. All right. So you got, of the top 54-ish arms, right? Mm-hmm. You got four on the Yankees, even with, even with regards to injury. Because, you, look, you can pitch 100 innings as a starting pitcher, which is not a lot, right? But if you're putting up an ERA in the twos, for instance, and you're comparing that to a reliever who's you know, pitching about 100 innings and putting, it up, putting up an ERA in the twos, that reliever would easily make your list. Because relievers don't do that. Relievers don't pitch a hundred innings and put up great ERAs. So if you have a guy who pitches a hundred innings in the rotation and puts up a great ERA, that's a little different for me. Uh, for instance, like for the Dodgers, I still have Urias on the list. You know, Urias only pitched fifty-five regular season innings last year. Uh, I'm expecting when you add on, you know, the playoff innings that he pitched, it's about seventy-five innings. And then next year with the innings jump, I'm expecting him to be about 100, 110, 115 innings. Uh, but I'm also expecting elite performance in those innings. So, yes, I have Severino on for the Yankees for the same reason that I have guys like Urias on for the Dodgers. But anyway, there's four Yankees. There are uh, four White Sox on the list. There's multiple Twins. There's multiple Angels, there's multiple A's, there's 
three Astros. Now that Paxton signed with the Mariners, there's multiple uh, Mariners. There's multiple Indians on the list. There's multiple Red Sox on the list. Oh, that's an interesting one, though. There's multiple Blue Jays on the list. There's multiple Phillies on the list. The Braves have four arms on the list. The uh, Mets have four arms on the list. Uh, guard for the same reason as Severino. Uh, the Nationals have three arms on the list. The, the, the Brewers have two. The Reds have two. The Diamondbacks have two. The Dodgers have four. Uh, the, the Padres have um, four. The, the, that's, that's a lot of pitchers on a very few, a very small number of teams. Uh, outside of that grouping, uh, the only teams that have like one elite arm, you're looking at the Marlins, although they have a really deep staff of interesting arms. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the Cubs, who look like they might be trading Kyle Hendricks, so then they're not going to have an arm. Uh, then there's you know Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals. He's their only guy. And I'm pretty sure that's it. Every other team that has a, a, a top arm has multiple outside of those three. And of those three, one of their arms, Hendricks, looks like he's about to get traded. So really just a, a small portion of the league has all of the best starting pitchers. Now, I won't say a small portion of the league because it's still over half the league, right? But it's more along the lines of the rest of the league, the other 10, 12 teams, they don't have anything on on par with this. Mm -hmm. So if you're watching baseball, you can automatically be like, okay, these are the teams that I I, I don't want to watch. If you don't want to see, you know, if you don't want to watch good, uh, if you don't want to watch bad pitching, you know, throw terrible in front of you and you want to just watch, you know, elite quality arms, there are a collection of about 18 teams uh, that have nothing but quality that they're basically throwing out, or more often than not, it is someone of quality. You got the Yankees. Let's count them out. You got the Yankees. You got the White Sox. You got the Twins. You got the Angels. You got the A's. You got the Astros, Mariners, Indians. Angels, Blue Jays, Phillies, Braves, Mets, Nationals, Brewers, Reds, Diamondbacks, Dodgers, and lastly, Padres. So how many teams is that? That was around 19, I think. Yeah, about about 19 teams, something like that. Yeah. So if you're of the remaining teams, you are out of luck. So if one third of the league, it just doesn't – your season doesn't matter, dude. One third of the league. So that is really, really interesting to me. I've not ever seen a period of time where, like, all of the, the best pitchers are on these teams. And if those teams want to keep those arms, right, the remaining one-third of the league is going to have to take their time and develop arms. 
because yeah, these guys already have the best of the majors. Mm-hmm. That's wild to me. That's wild to me. Like you, you, there's not a bunch of teams that have one guy. No, there's a bunch of teams that have nobodies. That's wild. So that's just talking about, you know, reason to be intrigued about the season with regards to starting pitching. Uh, a lot of closers have even changed teams though. And that's where things also get kind of interesting. So Jordan Hicks, he got Tommy John surgery, didn't really pitch uh, last year, uh, but he's one of the hardest throwers in the game. He's going to be coming back. Um, you have Josh Hader who lost the strike zone last year. He's one of the more exciting arms. He's going to be likely back in form over the course of a full year. Uh, he's one of those guys where like, yeah, short season and he's trying to max things out and putting too much pressure on himself. Sure. He'll lose the strike zone, but over the course of a full year where he can get into a groove, I think he'll, he'll be all right. Um, uh, Richard Rodriguez, who is the closer of the pirates right now, not a lot of people are looking into him. He's very underrated. He strikes out a lot of people. And I think he's going to be pretty exciting to watch. So keep an eye out for him. Uh, he, he's new. He's very new to, to a big role like that, but he's totally capable. Um, Edwin Diaz, yes, the walk rate did go up last year, but he also very much came back to his old self. Strikeouts were right back where they were. Uh, the ERA was there. The FIP was there. The XFIP was there. Um, I'd like to see Diaz walk a little less people, but as a closer, it, it doesn't really matter. And the fact that his electric arm is back in the sport, especially for such a good team like the Mets, the Mets look so good for next year. It, it makes Diaz an actually really exciting player to watch because he's going to be one of the more uh, important players on that team. Um, uh, Brad Hand moved teams. Um, I believe he's with the Nationals right now. And yes, they have uh, Hudson who's been getting cl- uh, the, the, the saves, but I, I doubt that uh, Hudson is, is, is going to get saves uh, over Hand. Uh, and if, hey, look, if he does, then Hand makes a really great middle reliever. So that's just an interesting closer conversation. Um, Kirby Yates, who's coming back from Tommy John himself, he signed with the Blue Jays, so now another one of the top closers in the sport is back again, and once again he's 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 playing for a, a contender. Now I don't think that the Blue Jays are actually going to win the division or or, or come close because I think Tampa Bay is better than them, but they are contending for a wild card spot. So that's going to be fun to watch. Um, Drake Holland is back with the Kansas City Royals. And he looked like he didn't miss a beat going right back there. He's, he's pitching like his old self. Uh, I'm beginning to think that Colorado really just messes with anyone. I, you know, I don't know if it's possible to really succeed in Colorado unless they put a dome on the stadium. That's something mm-hmm. that I'm starting to really believe. Because there's like Jake McGee, he left Colorado and he went right back to who he was before too. And that's the other thing. Jake McGee, he just signed as well. And he's going to be a closer now for the first time in his life, uh, I believe, for the San Francisco Giants. Uh, I think that that just happened last week or was it the week before. Uh, But it looks like he's going to be now in in that kind of role. Um, 
So that's perfect for him. Empty innings with the amount of strikeouts that he gets. The fact that he doesn't walk people, I think that's going to be huge for him. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal just signed with Oakland. He looks like he's going to be their closer as well. So you have a, a, him back in the closer role, which is awesome to see. Strikes out a lot of people. So the closer role is really kind of transformed. I mean, Liam Hendricks, he's now the closer for the White Sox um, after being a middle reliever for a few years. Um, the last couple of years, he's really settled in as one of the best arms in the sport as far as bullpen arms go. Um, Chapman's still Chapman, so you still have him throwing 100 miles an hour in the ninth. Uh, Rysel Iglesias, who was a very good arm and has been a very good arm for quite a few years as the closer for the Reds. Well, not a lot of people watch the Cincinnati Reds. Now he's the closer for the Angels. That's going to be exciting. Uh, Angels having as big of a fan base as they do in L.A. He's going to get proper credit and uh, proper coverage. Um, there's this prospect who came up for Cleveland last year. His name's James Kareenchak. And he does walk a fair number of people, but I've not seen anyone with this level of strikeout rate. If you look at you know some of the rates that he was putting up in, in the high minors and what he was also doing to a certain degree of last year, uh, he was striking out 21 people per nine innings, which is insane because, you know, per nine innings is per 27 batters, per 27 outs, you know? And per 27 batters, he's striking out 21. That's nuts. That's absolutely insane to me. And he looks like he'll be the closer uh, for the Indians unless, you know, somehow Emmanuel Class A uh, challenges him for the role. Another guy who throws a hundred miles an hour. seems like everyone's doing that these days. Uh, Ryan Presley took over as the closer for the Astros. He will be retaining that role. He's a very good reliever. And I think closer actually kind of suits him at this point in his career. Um, I don't know for how long it will suit him, but the Astros, they always find a way to up people's spin rate with uh, <clears throat> cheating. I mean, um, using, you know, strategies. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> use every, every episode, episode every has episode. to happen. You has just, to happen. You can't, you're every not going to let it go. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I love it. I love it. I love it. But I actually forgot who I was talking to the other day, but someone, it, it, it wasn't you. I was talking to someone in like on the phone and they actually were like, you know, the cheating Astros. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm having deja vu now. I can't escape it. Dude, they're, they're so terrible for what they did. Like, and they walked away with it completely unscathed. So like, I, I'm just going to keep ripping on them until like someone in MLB fires Rob Manfred or someone in MLB get, gets into his head and is like, yo, dude, you didn't come down hard enough. You're the commissioner, my man. Like seriously put an asterisk at minimum by the championship. Until there's at least an asterisk, I'm not going to stop. Like at minimum an asterisk. These people should be banned for life. But like if we're not even getting an asterisk, what, what are we mm. talking about here? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, so uh, Sean Doolittle, that's another closer. He actually was the former closer of the Nationals. Uh, he's just joined Cincinnati, the Reds, um, who, who they, they traded Iglesias to the Angels. So like we mentioned. Uh, so they were kind of missing a closer. Now that they got Doolittle back, it's not like, hey, if you're a Reds fan, it's not the worst thing out there. Doolittle is a really good reliever. 
Um, so he's probably going to take over uh, for you at closer. Um, so yeah, a lot of changes going on in the ninth inning around the league. Uh, a lot of players coming back to who they used to be. Uh, a lot of players actually coming back to their previous organizations. Um, but we're looking at uh, a year where for once in a very long time, we can look at these guys who are closers and be like, wow, you know, the ninth inning with all of these different teams, the ninth inning is going to be really exciting. It's going to be actual quality back there. Um, last few years, a lot of the quality pitchers have kind of been left for the, uh, the middle innings, not to say that there aren't a bunch of those, but, uh, and I think, you know, I, I named Joaquin Soria a little earlier without mentioning what team he's on. Cause he also is a recent signing. Soria is the new closer of the Diamondbacks. So Diamondbacks now have a guy tried and true, been around for like a decade. Who is same stuff, by the way, same velocity. Um, he looks like he's just going to come in and slot right into closer. So yeah, the ninth inning in the league is, is going to be really exciting this coming year. Um, looking at the middle innings, like Aaron Bummer emerged for the White Sox, but I need to see a little bit more from him. Uh, Will Harris is still around, but he may be in decline. Same thing with Will Smith, the reliever, not the, the catcher and not the actor. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, it's like you read my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like so many Will Smiths like around right now. It's like, yo, like, you know, pick a different name. Come on. No? <laughs> uh, but the Dodgers have this guy, Victor Gonzalez, who uh, was a starter in the minors, moved to the bullpen last year. He actually did phenomenal, but I can't find – uh, any highlight reels of him so uh it, you know if you're a dodgers fan and you like doing highlight reels please for 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 the love of god you know save us put together a video highlight reel of of victor gonzalez like i, I will be so happy like mm. dude absolutely i need to see that because he is really good i look at his individual performances and he looks really good i want to see what he can do over a full year so that's exciting um you know darren o'day rejoining Zach Britton in the middle innings, like, you know, when they were with Baltimore, that's kind of cool to see. Uh, funny enough, Tyler Clifford, yes, old man Clifford, he's actually gotten better each of the last three years. He could be in line for another good season. Uh, Adrian Morjan, who's, or Morhan, uh, I don't know how, how I'd pronounce that. Morhan sounds a little bit too close to like moron, you know, like, <laughs> but uh, he's a fin he, phenomenal lefty, uh, in my opinion, if you wanted he could be a starting pitcher, but mm. he's with the Padres. So they're going to put him in the bullpen. They got like five or six starters already. Um, he'll be a phenomenal reliever from the, for them from the left side. And honestly, by the time that Mackenzie Gore, who's the number one pitching prospect from the left side uh, in all of baseball, when he comes up, two-pitch paddock is going to move from the Padres rotation to the bullpen as well. So you're going to have him from the right side. You're going to have Adrian Morjan from the, the left side. And then you're going to have guys like uh, Drew Pomeranz, Emilio Pagan. I mean, they, they have a, a very good pitching staff, top to bottom, uh, the Padres. Uh, I believe Craig Stammen is still there as well. Um, now, that's another thing. Uh, the Twins uh, added a, a, a closer. The Twins added Alex Coleman, which means that Taylor Rogers can finally go back to the middle innings where he dominated before. So that's going to be really good to see that he's, you know, out of that ninth inning role, which never really fit him in the first place. Mm -hmm. So uh, potentially he can be back in the middle innings as a good arm. 
bruised our Gratterall of the Los Angeles Dodgers is the closest thing that I've seen in recent years to the way that Jabba Chamberlain was out of the bullpen. He throws about as hard as anyone and consistently hard. He throws about 97, 98, all the way up to 101. Uh, nasty pitches, has no problem with control and command. He throws things in the strike zone and then tries to get them to move through the strike zone a lot. Um, I'm a huge fan of this guy. You know, if you're a fan of any team, you should be like, I want to trade for this guy to be my closer, or I want to trade for this guy to be my fireman. I want to trade for, you know, like he should be on the top of everyone's list because there's no team in baseball that doesn't desperately need what this guy is. He's going to be a monster if he can stay healthy. Although it's worth noting that health was an issue in the minor leagues. It was an issue when he was in the rotation not now that he's in the bullpen. So should health permit, there's nothing that this guy couldn't do as a reliever. Um, Giovanni Gallegos, former Yankee prospect, now with the Cardinals, he's really coming into his own, really emerging, dominates the minors. Every level of the minors that he was in, he absolutely dominated. And Andrew Miller, now that the juice vols out of the league, as a lefty in a league of power-hitting righties, Miller's coming back around. So it looks like the juiced ball was one of the things that really held back Miller from being able to continue his dominance in relief because Miller had been dominant as a closer for about four or five years by the time 2019 came around, 2018 uh, came around. Uh, so now that he's coming back to himself, that's beautiful to see. He's one of the more elegant and, 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 and uh, really fun pitchers to watch as a fan, really long arms, long legs, and he throws a slider, which starts like up and away to, to, to rider, righties. And then it ends at their ankles. So it goes straight through the zone. It's really hard to hit. Uh, so now that he's coming back, that's really cool to see. Nick Anderson, technically the best reliever of the Tampa Bay Rays. But the Tampa Bay Rays don't like to assign roles. So while you could say Nick Anderson is the closer for the Rays, that would not be accurate at all. Nick Anderson comes in when they need the reliever the most when they need to lock down an inning. That's when Nick Anderson comes in. Um, if Tampa Bay did subscribe to roles, then Nick Anderson would be the closer, but he's not uh, Devin Williams. That's another guy. If you haven't seen what this guy can do, Devin Williams, check this guy out. He's a middle reliever for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, in the minors, he was a starter. He was kind of decent. Um, but they put him in the bullpen and he transformed. He took an entire, he took it, took everything to an entirely different level. And if you look at the numbers, the numbers bear that out. His ERA was below one last year. And he actually, and I know a lot of people don't look at awards anymore, but he actually won rookie of the year last year in the entire national league, which is for a reliever to do that is shocking. Um, yeah, I think he's, one of the most fantastic arms to watch. If you're another team, of course, you would love to trade for this guy. I don't know why the Brewers would trade him uh, without getting like a, a, a substantial return. Uh, but he's going to be one of the most fun guys to watch next year. Um, you got Corbin, or not, not Corbin, Corbin Martin is a prospect for the Diamondbacks. I was talking about him uh, earlier today, but uh, Chris Martin. And no, not Chris Martin, the Coldplay singer either. <laughs> Chris Martin, the reliever for the Braves. He's like six foot nine. He's 
huge, I believe. I want to make sure he might be six foot ten. Let me pull that up. But he's also been getting better each of the last few years. And I think he's one of the more dominant relievers in baseball. A lot of people don't agree with me because they think his stuff is very average. But like when you're throwing strikes and you are striking out more than a batter per nine innings um, and all the contact is weak and you're, you're, you're feeling comfortable enough in your own ability to not have to lean on the ground ball. So long as it's weak contact, I don't care, you know, Um, like it could be infield fly balls. That's just as effective as ground balls. Now outfield fly balls, a little bit more dangerous, but infield fly balls, I have no issues. It's automatic outs. Um, And yeah, uh, Chris Martin, he put up an ERA of 1.00 last year. His FIP was 2.36. His XFIP was 3.24. 10 strikeouts per nine inning, 1.5 walks per nine inning, opponents hit 171 against him uh, and every single year that he's been in the league opponents hit to a lower batting average on balls in play against him uh, he doesn't ever walk anyone and the high strikeout rate is now two seasons in a row so it looks legitimate um, and yeah he's six foot eight okay almost six foot nine six foot eight and hey maybe a different um, a different site like maybe mlb.com has him at six foot nine. Sometimes there's a little bit of a discrepancy. So yeah, he's about six, eight, six, nine. He's huge. And he throws strikes and he strikes people out and he gets weak contact. Um, that's a great profile. That's just a great profile. Uh, you have Seth Lugo who did get hurt. Um, he should miss the beginning of the year. Uh, that being said, he's such a good arm and he does typically pitch a lot of innings in a year that I'm not really expecting him to not get a full year of relief pitching uh and in the Mets bullpen you can afford to let him kind of come back and you know make sure he's healthy because they have a lot of arms back there uh especially Trevor May another guy that they added this offseason who's a strikeout machine he had a down year last year but that's because you know shortened season a lot of a lot of fluctuation can happen if you have one or two bad outings as a reliever but a lot of the uh, surrounding numbers for him make it look like Trevor may actually took a step forward. It looks like Trevor may might be an even better pitcher than he's been in any of the past years. So that's a guy to look out for. Uh, And there you go. That's the middle inning. So even with regards to looking at the middle innings, you have a lot of guys who throw hard. Yeah. You have a lot of guys who are, who are uh, former starters who are, moving to the bullpen or you got guys who are ground ball experts like Zach Britton, or you got guys who just won rookie of the year. You got got guys who are uh, coming back to who they were like Andrew Miller, one of the best relievers in the sport side armors like Darren O'Day Um, and middle innings are, are, are really exciting to watch for a lot of different reasons. I will say this though. Whereas if the game is on the line, a team will be bringing in their closer. You know, that's something that you can anticipate while at the game. If the game is within a certain number of runs, you're going to be like, okay, well, the ninth inning, they'll be bringing out this guy. You can say that when you go to a game with a friend. Doesn't mean if you go to a game with a friend that any of these middle relievers will be available that day. They might have used him the day before. They might have used him two days in a row. They might have used him two out of three days or three out of four days. So don't be guaranteed to get one of these guys, but should one of them get on the mound, it, it is going to be exciting for one reason or another. And I think that we're also 
we're at a transitionary period for middle relief where there's going to be a lot of guys stepping into elite middle relief roles and a lot of other guys stepping back from middle relief roles. You have a lot of elder statesmen, so to speak, in the middle relief innings. Uh, and that's basically uh, a review of the bullpen in Major League Baseball. Um, now, I, I think the next, the next version of this video that we do, the, this podcast that we do, uh, this audio that we do, depending on what version you're, you're getting, um, I think we'll definitely jump more into the hitters and, and why to be excited about the hitters. But uh, before we end, I think I want to get a little bit more into depth with regards to which pitchers in the rotation to be excited about. We, you know, we just talked about specifically with relievers. You know, everybody knows to be excited about Colt. I have nothing to, to say there. But if you're a Yankee fan, whether you're waiting mid-year for Severino, who, when he's healthy, granted, last time he was healthy was like 2018. But also, you have to remember, last time Severino was healthy, he was coming off two seasons in a row, 200 innings, 200-plus strikeouts each year. Um, he's, he's a dominant guy. He's one, you know, When healthy, he was a top-10 arm. Last time, before Tommy John, he was a top-10 arm in the sport. Uh, and Tommy John, if you've had it once, you should be fine. It's the same reason that Met fans should not be concerned about Noah Syndergaard. He's the same guy, Met fans, relax. Um, but the Yankees also brought in Tyone. Uh, now, Tyone's coming back from his second Tommy John, but I don't think you need to be as worried here because Garrett Cole and him are tight as all heck, and they, they work out together, or at least they are now, uh, Tyon has changed his motion to make it less uh, stress on his elbow. Uh, it also actually works really well with what type of pitching he's going to be doing moving forward. Um, and he's, he is honestly, if you're a Yankee fan, a guy to get excited about because he is that kind of dominant. He made a couple of tweaks to his, uh, um, his repertoire and his approach with regards to getting hitters out, but right before Tommy John, and for the large portion of his 2018 season, he was putting up an ERA below 2.5. That's ridiculously dominant. So, you know, even if he's not the guy he was before, even if he's, you know, a portion of it, he's going to be a really exciting pitcher to watch. Um, he's a weak contact guy, especially. He's not just a guy who's going to get lots of strikeouts. And I like my weak contact guys more than guys that get strikeouts because they can typically go more innings, which, you know, that'll, that'll, that, that bodes well for him because he needs to build up innings coming back from his second, uh, second Tommy John. Um, mi mixing them words. <laughs> uh, the Yankees did bring in Corey Kluber. Uh, now, that's, that's something that I do want to note um, because they lost Tanaka. Tanaka was one of the best playoff pitchers in Major League Baseball, and Kluber is one of the best playoff pitchers in major league baseball. So there's not much of a loss there. And I actually trust Kluber over Tanaka in the regular season in 2021. Um, I love Tanaka. I think Tanaka is a very good arm. I think he's about a number three starter in the major leagues. Uh, but Kluber coming back from, you know, his, his injuries, if he's healthy, which I mean, he was a guy who right before the injuries every year was a 200 inning guy even if he's like a 180 inning guy, and even if he's like three fourths of what he was, 
that's a ridiculously good pitcher. That's a pitcher of about 3.5 ERA in 180 innings. I'll take that all day. I'll take that all day, especially if he's better than that in big games. Um, if you're a White Sox fan, you know, having Lynn and Keuchel in there is really good. Um, but I'm honestly a little bit more excited about the duo of Crochet and Kopech and how they're going to be used. One's a lefty, one's a righty. Crochet, lefty, Kopech, righty, both capable of throwing over 100 miles an hour. Uh, and Giolito did get a no-hitter for you last year. Or was it a perfect game? Yeah, either way. Uh, not a lot of people are capable of doing that at his age. And you know, it, it really, if you're capable of doing that, you're capable of being an ace at the big league level. Um, it just, you know, that, that, that should give him the confidence to really step into his own shoes. You just have to really see it develop. And I think that's what you could see this year. Honestly, I think this is the year Giolito does kind of step into his own shoes. So if you're a White Sox fan, you know, get excited about that. And, you know, you, it's also reasonable to be intrigued by the battle of Rodon, Lopez, and Cease in the five role and how that's also going to impact the bullpen, which is already deep. Um, so it's a really it's a good year to be excited if you're a White Sox fan. Uh, the Angels who have uh, Otani uh, coming into their rotation and, and hopefully being healthy, that's going to be huge for them because the Angels have just needed pitching. Uh, Bundy emerged for them. Dylan Bundy, former number one prospect in baseball, he emerged from that for, for them uh, last year after getting um, away, after fleeing, after escaping from the prison. That is the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, he, he ended up panning out for the Angels, which is a beautiful thing to see because he was literally uh, an ace in the in the minors and in in high school. And look at his look at Dylan Bundy's high school numbers if you get a shot. Um, but the Angels do have guys like Griffin Canning who emerged at the end of last year and really started to put together something. Uh, the Angels do still have Andrew Heaney. The Angels do have Reed Detmers. The Angels did bring in guys like Jose Quintana, who might end up helping out more in the bullpen. Um, so for the first time in a while, the Angels are starting to have something from a pitching perspective. I would still feel more comfortable if I'm an Angels fan if they went out and got one more guy. But if Cannon continues to emerge, if Heaney is healthy, if Otani has your full year and if Bundy does what he did last year over a full season, they're not going to have pitching problems and they probably will be able to finish ahead of the Astros. Assuming the Astro hitters uh, continue to be terrible because they aren't cheating anymore. Uh, like literally they went from being good, all of them uh, to, to falling off a cliff. I mean, look, allegedly, Brantley, Allegedly, <laughs> Brantley uh, is still good for them, but he wasn't really a part of that 2017 thing. Um, Jordan Alvarez was in the minors, so you can get on him and, and Brantley 2019 and, and whatnot, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, the guys that, that were the main parts of the scandal that are still on the team are Uriel, Altuve, Bregman, Correa, and all of them fell off a cliff. So with the with a situation like that and the defense for them not really being the greatest and them losing George Springer, who was such a key for them last year, I think the Angels actually have a legitimate shot at contending and, and, and possibly making it past the Astros for first place in that division. I mean, they, they 
I really like what the Angels did this offseason, but that's that's for a different conversation. Um, get back to pitching. Uh, Pineda looks like he's going to emerge for the Twins. Maeda did emerge last year. Uh, Lazardo and Montas both look like breakout candidates for Oakland. Uh, Grinky's Grinky. McCullers is McCullers. They're both very good pitchers, kind of are who they are. Valdez actually pitched to the highest number of innings in all of baseball last year, which I didn't even realize. And that really says something because he's one of the best ground ball pitchers in all of baseball. And typically those guys have a problem with innings. They'll get hurt here and there, flexor strains and things. Um, Justice Sheffield, former Yankee prospect. He started emerging last year. I knew he, he'd be a good pitcher at the big league level. I knew it would eventually happen. So this was the, you know, 2020 was the year that it happened. 2021, he gets a full season. And now he gets to play with the person that he was traded for, which is James Paxton, just signed back with the Mariners. Paxton's the same guy that he was with the Mariners. Only thing is, as a lefty in a league with pull righties, in a league with so many righty power hitters, for similar reasons with Andrew Miller, in 2019 and 2020, well, 2020 he got hurt, but 2019 the juice ball really messed with Paxton's numbers. He's still the same guy that he was 16, 17, 18 which is, you know, Mariners years. Uh, and now he's back with them. So uh, they basically have a couple of really top-notch pitchers atop their staff. And that's really cool to see because if you look at the rest of the Mariners club, it's a bunch of young guys. Uh, the Indians, uh, they, they developed Bieber, who he's one of the better arms in the sport. Uh, I think next year, if they can get Tristan McKenzie to put on some muscle, he might be just as good. I am absolutely blown away by him. I just have huge durability concerns. Uh, I, he has moved up very quickly through the minors, but believe it or not, I don't think that's going to be a problem for someone like him. The main concerns are just durability related. Uh, if he can put on enough muscle to keep his ligaments safe for a full season and he can hold his velocity, um, I think he could be as good as anyone. I really am a, a big fan of him. If that's the case, if that's not the case, he can become a multi-inning elite reliever, like, you know, one of the best arms that we've seen, you know, like a, a guy who can be an elite reliever for their whole career, who can have like a 15 year career, but I want to see what he can do in the rotation before uh, I get to that point. He has the frame and height and long legs, athleticism, control command, all of it as a starter. So if he can just put on a little bit more muscle, we might be in for something special. Uh, Garrett Richards delayed his Tommy John for so long that now a lot of people don't think that he's as good as uh, he was before it. I disagree. Uh, I think there's a high chance that Garrett Richards goes back to the ERAs and the FIPS that he was putting up before Tommy John, especially now that he's going back to the AL. Uh, I think going to Boston was a really, really great fit. Um, I'm, I'm very curious about what Richards can do next year. He's got a lot of movement. Keep an eye on him. A couple of people have made different YouTube videos about why he's going to succeed. A couple of people, I think pitcherlist.com did an article on him. Uh, they do a great job over there. So definitely check that out. Um, Nate Avaldi, another guy with Boston who was really emerging over the last couple of years. I think actually the shortened season helped him because if he had made too big of an innings jump last year, I don't think he would be able to do what he should be able to do next year over a full season, if that makes sense. Doesn't really walk people, uh, throws very hard. Um, yeah, I, I think next year could be the year that Evaldi officially emerges. Uh, Hunjin Ryu, 
and is still with the Blue Jays. He's one of my favorite arms in the sport. I remember when he was a prospect, people compared him to David Wells. Actually panned out like that. Uh, but they are, he's joined by Nate Pearson, who is a starting pitcher who throws well over 100 miles an hour uh, in the minors. He's had a little bit of arm trouble, uh, and I'm worried about a couple of things with regards to health, with regards to how quickly they moved him. But just in terms of physicality, pitch mix, stuff, uh, he's basically like a clone of like a Noah Syndergaard. Throws 100 miles an hour with ease, and it's, it's, it's really fun to watch him when things are clicking. He just needs to not think of the big leagues as such a big task and start to overextend himself because this is a guy who, if he overextends himself, he will get Tommy John. So, um, but nonetheless, you know, he'll be in the Blue Jays rotation next year. So if you're a Blue Jays fan, be really excited, get, you know, get, get hyped, so to speak. Um, Aaron Nola and Wheeler still with the Phillies, great arms. I'm not going to spend any time on them. Uh, Morton uh, is back. Well, I won't say back, but he's with the Braves now. That's a huge addition. The Braves also still have Ian Anderson and Freed. Uh, Kyle Wright started emerging towards the end of last year. They also have Drew Smiley, who uh, also emerged last year, coming back from Tommy John. Uh, the Braves, whoever doesn't make the rotation, is going to be pushed to the bullpen. So guys like Tuki Toussaint, that's going to improve their bullpen. Um, yeah, that's his name, Tuki Toussaint. Uh, great baseball name. Great baseball name right there. So the Braves are, are stacked with regards to uh, pitching, with regards to young talent, with regards to middle of their order. Um, I do have a couple of issues with the way that the Braves assembled their club, but that's for a different day. Um, in terms of the, their pitching, I don't really have too many. Uh, the Mets getting Carrasco, that really shored up a rotation which was even missing Stroman last year. Uh, it was basically DeGrom and, and you know, <laughs> uh, but now uh, with Stroman, you know, not opting out of the season like he did last year and with Carrasco and his durability and uh, elite performance in the fold. And then knowing that Syndergaard is going to be back by, you know, July-ish. Uh, that's a really top-notch grouping of arms. And given that DeGrom's the number one arm in the sport, by far. And now he's throwing what triple digits. Like we never thought that that was going to be happening. He's gotten even better with age. Uh, he's great. Just if he's pitching, watch um, <laughs> uh, the nationals still have Scherzer and, and Strasburg. Corbin has taken a little bit of a step back, but given his youth and his ability. Um, and I am a little bit biased towards him. Truth be told. Uh, I went to this boat party uh, where, you know, the music being played, it was on the Hudson river and uh, I met his cousin and I was like, yo, uh, tell him that if he, you know, focuses on the right things, he could have a career a lot like Andy Pettit. And then like the next year he emerged. So <laughs> I mean, I, it wasn't me. Okay. It wasn't me, but I'm a little biased towards this guy as a, as a tri-state area guy. I believe he's from New Jersey. Uh, that, you know, when he's taking this big step forward, throws kind of like Andy Pettit, you know, like, and I talked to his cousin and, you know, like, I don't know. I love it. I love it. Uh, I'm a little biased towards him. I think he'll come back to the guy he's been, no big injuries, you know? Yeah. I think he's the same guy. Uh, Corbin Burns emerged for the Brewers last year. That's a guy to get really excited about. Mm -hmm. He throws balls that have a lot of side to side movement because of the RPM and how their RPM works. Uh, it's a really, really exciting kind of pitcher attacks the zone uh i have big things in the future in, in mind for what he can do 
even if it's not in the rotation, you're looking at one of the best relievers in the sport. Um, Sonny Gray, who emerged uh, once, you know, with a team that didn't put as much pressure on him, is still back with the Reds, still the same guy. Castillo looks to emerge. His FIP and his XFIP were a lot lower than his ERA. I think that kind of changes next year. I think he's going to put up that really low ERA and cement himself as one of the 15-ish best pitchers in the entire sport. I think Mad Bum has a chip on his shoulder after not pitching as well as he, he wanted to over the last couple of years. I think he comes back. Um, he's one of those guys as a competitor where I, I wouldn't really put it against him to like work hard enough to gain back some velocity, to pitch enough innings, and then, of course, because of how good he is in must-win games, still be very effective. Zach Gallen, that's another guy. Lots of weak contact. Um, kind of pitches like Kyle Hendricks. I could see him growing into that kind of pitcher. Uh, always going to have a lower ERA than his XFIP and his FIP because of the kind of weak contact he induces, but also because he's a scouting report pitcher. He knows how to pitch two different hitters to uh, more often than not get them out. Um, Trevor Bauer going to the Dodgers. That's a really big reason to be excited if you're a Dodgers fan. He's the number, he was the number one pitcher on the market. Um, huge year. Um, he's had huge years in the past. Uh, I think the juice ball really messed with him in 2019. Uh, I think he's an ace. And I think the Dodgers did really good you know, getting him there because if you look at the rest of their pitching rotation, Yes, they have a bunch of good arms, but Price is terrible in the playoffs. He's also uh, been declining. Uh, May had a great ERA, but he's basically like a one-pitch pitcher. His FIP and his XFIP say that he should be in the minors or in the bullpen. I think he'd be a great reliever. Uh, Urias is an amazing pitcher. He's one of the best pitchers in the sport, but he pitched 55 regular season innings and about 75 total innings. You know, you can expect him about 100 to 115 innings, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, over a full season, but that's you know not enough when you're looking at how shallow the rest of the rotation is. Tony Gonsolin, maybe he goes about 100 innings, 120 innings. Uh, so behind, uh, you know, Kershaw's terrible in the playoffs. And I won't say t- terrible. He's gotten a little bit better in recent years, but he blows up in, in, in certain situations in the playoffs. So sometimes he's really good, I guess. And you could say sometimes he's really not. Um, and then they have Bueller. So you needed to have someone like Bauer in there just to push everybody down a slot because now you have like May and Gonsolin and Urias in the five spot. Now you have Price in the four spot. Now Kershaw's your three, Bueller's your two, Bauer's your one. That is much better. Uh, and given Bauer's caliber, I think that you know that really does make that much of a difference because um, now everybody just kind of slots into a much more comfortable role. In the playoffs, you could even go with a three-starter rotation. Uh, given the depth of the Dodgers' bullpen, you could put Price and Urias and May and Gonsolin in the bullpen, and you could go with Bauer and Bueller and Kershaw, um, which, you know, given how Kershaw's playoffs were last year, that is doable. Um, so if you're a Dodgers fan and you want to be the first team to repeat since the Yankees in 99 and 2000, this is probably your best chance to do it. So definitely get out there, watch some games. Uh, and the Padres, they added Musgrove, Snell, and Darvish, three of the top like 15, 20 starting pitchers in the sport. They have the best starting pitching left pro- lefty prospect, uh, you know, from le- starting pitching prospect from the left side, should I say, uh, in the sport coming up from the minors. He, he was ready at the end of last year. He's ready now. 
Um, they have Denelson Lamette, who keeps getting better every single year. Um, they have Paddock, who'll probably now have to move to the bullpen to join another starting pitching prospect who's been nasty, Adrian Morjan, like I mentioned earlier. Um, they're just set. The Padres are absolutely stacked, and they have more starting pitching, you know, ability than any other team in baseball. Um, lastly, Sixto Sanchez throws like a hundred up to a hundred miles an hour uh, for the Marlins. He has a lot of spin on his pitches. the The fastball will play down just because of certain types of things, uh, but he has so much control and command, and you know has succeeded so well at every single level, and succeeded really well his first, you know. I'm going to say, you know, toe dip into the, 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 the big, the big league waters uh, that I think over a full season with his size and athleticism, he can really do some things. Uh, and then you got Kyle Hendricks for the Cubs who may get traded at any point in time uh, and join possibly a bigger staff of, of, of top notch pitchers. Uh, great week, we contact guy. He actually pitches to the game score. If you break things down on the game logs, it's fantastic at getting the win. And then you got Jack Flaherty, uh, ace of the Cardinals. Absolutely fantastic 2019 second half. Uh, not the best 2020, but, you know, shortened season. Don't really blame him. Sophomore slump type stuff. Same thing with Walker Bueller. Walker Bueller ended up actually finishing things really well with a flourish in uh, the playoffs. So uh, I don't really ding him too hard either. Both of those guys are aces. So if you needed a reason as a fan uh, to get into the sport or, or to, to watch the game this coming season, a uh, whole bunch of new closers. Most of the best starting pitchers are on a collection of, you know, two third of two thirds of the league's teams, meaning that like one third of the league just doesn't have any good pitchers pitching any day of this entire season next year. Um, which is wild to me, literally like 10 of the, the 30 teams are, are in that kind of position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also you have all of these young pitchers who are kind of going to be stepping, you know, into their own shoes or re-emerging Lazardo, Montas for Oakland, Evaldi, Garrett Richards, Sixto Sanchez, uh, Musgrove over a full year, a uh, hundred innings of Julio Urias rather than, you know, 55 like last year. Um, Corbin Burns for a full season, uh, Jamison Tyone coming back from injury, Severino and Cindergard both coming back from injury with their electric stuff. Full season of Ian Anderson and Max Freed. Uh, you know, I could go on and on. Kopak and Crochet both throw over 100 miles an hour. Pineda started to emerge in, in the second half of 2019. And then after his suspension, he continued the emergence in 2020. So you're going to see a full season of him. Otani might get a full season in the rotation. Finally, Bundy, we might get to see Bundy finally pan out over a full season. There are a ton of reasons to watch baseball this season. There are a ton of young pitchers about to emerge. Uh, closers changed up around the league. So that's wild. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a very competitive year uh, on the second p- portion of this video. We're going to go over the hitters. We're going to go over the reasons to be excited about hitting throughout the league. Because uh, honestly, if I'm, if I'm being truthful, it's probably more reasons to be excited about the hitting in the league than the pitching in the league. But uh, we'll have to break that down on the next one, Chris. We will. We will. Look at that, man. 
that was uh the, i i, I like that episode i yeah, like this too. episode it's me good too. yeah so, you know, it, it's a good one to go over because i feel like my strength is very much hitting and mm-hmm. it's been hitters for a very long period of time mm-hmm. uh and i'll say like a year and a half ago maybe about a year ago I was like, you know what? I, I've studied all the, the minor leaguers. I've studied, you know, all the big leaguers. I have my projections for everyone. Why not? You know, I don't have to have a bunch of time on my hands. Mm-hmm. With the pandemic, why, why not just get back into pitching? Um, so, yeah, while I still say I definitely uh, know a bit more about the hitters than, than the pitchers, uh, nonetheless, like, I can tell when, which guys are about to emerge. I mean, I've you know, I, I only got solely into studying hitters uh, for, I'm going to say, the last like three, four years. Mm-hmm. Before that, I was studying hitters and pitchers. And part of the reason why I wanted to specifically focus on hitters is because pitching, understanding pitching actually came really easily to me, um, which is odd because I never was a pitcher. But it, it became, it was really easy to me. Look, if you strike out a lot of guys, that's nice. But what's more important is getting weak contact and limiting base runners. And uh, so that's kind of how I always viewed it, is that if you have a high level of weak contact and you're not walking a lot of people, then I like you. And if, if you have a, a high strikeout rate with those things, then I like you even more. Um, and if you strike out a lot of guys and you don't walk a lot of guys, then at least you have potential to be able to learn other things. Um, and you can you know look at progression. You can look at, how how people have been able to throw more and more in the strike zone, getting you know more and more strikeouts or get more and more weak contact, and, and then you look at those types of things. You compare it to uh, what you're scouting, you know, the, not just the scouting that you read, but your own scouting. Um, I don't know. I'd like to think that I do a pretty decent job with it compared to um, like scouting. Scouting is different. Like it's it's definitely different than than evaluating numbers. Because numbers can tell you what they did, but numbers won't tell you what they will do once the league adapts mm-hmm. or what they will do when, without lineup protection or what they will do in a bigger park or what they will do after they've gotten a shoulder injury that saps power for two years or what they will do. You know, you get what I'm trying to say. Yep. So um, there are certain things that you got to look out for with pitchers. And uh, obviously one of the biggest ones is the health play. If a pitcher's still the same guy who they were a few years ago and they were really good then, and there's no reason to think that they're going to get hurt now and the only thing holding them back before was health, uh, and it's a normal injury, then they're going to be the same guy. So you shouldn't be you know, as worried. But um, a lot of big league teams, they, they don't feel comfortable investing in, in pitching given its volatility unless they can get a foreshore thing. And they end up pricing themselves out year after year on short-term foreshore things in favor of a long-term foreshore thing. Um, and it kind of bugs me, to be completely honest. Long-term foreshore things, you can either develop or you can sign every, you know, once in a while when one that's really durable and you know will be, you know, your type of guy will fit your ballpark, will fit your strategy. Um, but truth be told, you're going to need four other spots filled in your rotation. So. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. This is a little bit of a, I feel like a, a, a long winded one, but I feel like we also covered all of the top notch pitchers in the league. So uh, next one we'll be doing hitters and we're going to have to cover as many of them as we can as well. 
Uh, Because there's actually more of them than there are of pitchers. And we'll see you all next time. Or hear you all next time. Yeah. (laughs) We'll hear you all next time. Peace. (laughs) Later.